from Trailblaze, this is Anchored, a roadie-themed podcast-style low-sodium option for the Ocean State's sea saltiest opinions. We're your hosts, Shay. And Elise. And today we're talking all about how little roadie celebrates the ho-ho holidays. Ro-ho-ho island? <laughs> yep. Holidays. Please, sir, may I have a little follow? Perhaps a subscribe? What is that? I'm getting into character. You are a character. Thank you. Was it a thank you? <laughs> anyway, today. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, we're doing an episode all about Rhode Island Christmas traditions. Sorry, not sorry, Shay. Look, I'm not Jewish. I'm Jewish. Half Jewish. Which means I get both holidays. I just make being Jewish the Jewish part of me a part of my personality. So, but I do both. Stuffed with holla. All right. <laughs> okay, then. For the record, um, I prefer all of my holidays secular. In my childhood, we worship Santa, the Easter Bunny, and the Great Pumpkin in that order. And that order is in tight relation to the number of gifts and or chocolate I receive from said secular deity. Did a pumpkin come and put chocolate? No, you gotta go gift? get it. It's how you worship them. Duh. Oh, oh yeah, Just sure. like milk and cookies. <laughs> Carrots. <laughs> what, you look up like fertilizer? <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. So, in any case, we're talking about Christmas traditions in Rhode Island. Dominic the donkey style. Anyway, I'll tell you the tale of how the man formerly known as the dancing cop um, rose to fame and then quickly fell. And Shay will provide a high-level t- tell-all about what it's like to be a real-life Tiny Tim. And then we'll wrap up, pun intended, <laughs> Rhode Island's famous Holiday versus Christmas tree beef. Bing, ding, ding. I was thinking I it was like, like the boxer noises. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. Yep. I like beef. Yep. <laughs> Phenomenal. That's <laughs> great. Good to know you're not a pescatarian. Anyway. Well, well, well. If you thought that Ebenezer Scrooge was the villain in this episode, you did not ask Tony Lapore about Mayor Ejorsa. Ayo. Tony. Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony the poor. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Gather around, kids. I got a web to weave. In 1984, a young man named Tony Laporte joined the Providence Police Department. After trying to find his way in the department, he was assigned to the traffic division. Remember, kids, we didn't have ways to guide us back then. So in busy intersections or emergency situations, Tony would spring into action and help free the box. God, that's top five pet peeves. <laughs> it gets on my pet peeves every time I walk home. You're not even, you're just walking and you're mad that the box is blocked. I just watch it happen and it's, oh. Uh, anyway, one spring evening, Officer Lapore caught an episode of Candid Camera. Think impractical jokers without the divorced dads. So, where police, so Candid Camera, where police officers were dancing while directing traffic as a way to break up the monotony and ensure folks were paying attention. Makes sense, right? And that was the day Officer Lapore became the dancing cop. The dancing cop became an instant hit, mostly because before the internet, if more than seven Rhode Islanders knew about it, it was considered viral. Almost immediately, city residents began calling the police station and raving about Lepore's moves. Ooh, those hips, they say. A few did they say? <laughs> yes, they did. Verbatim. Yeah, no, he danced like a lot like John Travolta. So a few days later, the Providence Journal, our state's largest newspaper, came out with a story about this sensation. Ooh. For the next four years, the dancing cop, a.k.a. Tony Lepore, was a Rhode Island celebrity. And in 1988, he quit the force to join his brother in food and vending businesses. 
Does the story end there, Shay? Nope. Nope. For those of you wondering at home, who's a cop for like four years? <laughs> well, well, I'm not saying nothing. How, but how long do you have to be on before you get your pension? Um, like you have to retire. So, oh, okay. I don't think they're vested like regular city employees. I don't think it's like a five-year thing. No, they're special. Um, they get anyway. special treatment. Anyway, back to me. Jesus. I'm not saying nothing, Shay, but right around the to- time Tony quit was when CNC left office for the first time. Ooh. I ain't good. I didn't say it. Would you guess it? Four years later. Four years later. Yep. Right after Joey Paolino Jr. became mayor and then left. When Joey left, Tony came back. Tony came back. Tony came back. He came back. In 1992, quote unquote, public officials called Tony begged him to come back to the force as a reserve police officer, a.k.a. part-time for a holiday scout, um, for holiday traffic calming efforts. Calming. Who came back as mayor in 1992? Is it... Buddy Cianci? I don't know. I wasn't alive. Nope, he was. Oh, my God. <laughs> you weren't alive. <laughs> so, Jesus. You just burst my holiday bubble. Um, For the next 23 freaking years, Tony Lepore will stand in the middle of busy intersections, dancing around, blowing his whistle, and continue to gain fame, notoriety, and, if what I read is correct, a freaking fortune. So which... Which uh, intersections, which boxes was he whistling at? At Dorrance and Westminster Street. Okay. Washington and Empire Street. Sometimes he would be near Thayer Street. There was a 10-day stretch where he would be around different parts of the city. Press releases Mm. were put out to say where he would be. Um, So it would make sense that there were regular people driving. And then there were the people who would go there to see him, thusly causing... More traffic. More traffic. Also... I may or may not have worked for the city at the time, one of the times that he was working there. Who's to say? Who's to say? But the amount of calls that we got about this guy and his freaking whistle, because it was every time he hit a beat, and there's no music, so it's in his head. He's just going, squeak, 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 and like whistling and dancing around, and people would, like, ah, people were so mad. He's like, you just move him? Why does he have to be there all day? Like... This guy's like living his like high school drum major wet dream. Mm-hmm. For yeah. real, for real. As I said, he's there 23 years, every Christmas, holiday season, what have you. He's there 10 days, making bank, wearing a uniform, blowing the whistle, got the mustache, got the gloves, whole nine yards. That is until the Grinch himself, mayor, defund the police, Elorsa, comes in. Just kidding. It was actually, it wasn't George at all, but it was those damn progressives. And our very own blue-eyed Silver Fox Public Safety Commissioner, Stephen Perry. Would you imagine, Shay Weintraub, that the fall of the dancing cop was due to a Dunkin' Donuts feud? In Rhode Island? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yep. Yeah. Easy easy question. Yeah. Do pigs fly? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, they don't. Um, but allegedly, a police officer in Providence ordered a cup of coffee from a local Duncan. Washington Street? We don't know. Um, when the officer received that hot brew, the Duncan employee had written, hashtag Black Lives Matter, which, to blue-blooded humans, is seemingly fighting words. Everybody wants to get offended over something. Yep. So the dancing cop staged an anti-Black Lives Matter rally slash Duncan boycott, which, if oh. he were to ask the, for my assistance... 
which he did not, I would have suggested that he rename it to the Black Lives Don't Matter rally because that's what he was just trying to say. Just putting it out there. Ugh, this hurts my head. Yep, it's so, a lot. Ugh, what year is this? 2015. Oh, good. This is right when I moved to Providence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and somehow you missed it. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Must have been deep in your studies. So mm-hmm. either way, after a lot of justifiable public outrage, he was asked to retire. A few weeks before his seasonal shift was to begin, he was livid. He stated, if there are other towns who want me to do Christmas for them, then I'm there. Lapore refused to turn in his uniform because he said he paid for it. I don't know how that works. Um, And he said he will no longer wear the Providence Police Department badge, but will make his own, which I'm pretty confident is a um, some sort of criminal case because you were impersonating an officer at that point. Right. Does is he have any metallurgy skills? (laughs) No, I have no idea. Is he, you know, cutting it out of printer paper? Probably. Um, So he got us. Let's just. Yep. You got us. Dancing cop. And he said he won't be dancing in Providence for the holidays and he would move on. But just to put a bow on this, dude moved to Florida the next year. Like a true Rhode Islander. (laughs) Happy holidays. Oh, my God. If you want, you can find me out in the middle of the intersection (laughs) whistling and dancing this Saturday at noon. Um, Is that like your hobby, your activity, or is this in in celebration of this episode? It's mostly just in celebration of this episode. It's a special. Oh. Special event. Yep. Oh. So, Shay, what's it like to be Tiny Tim? Uh, well, as a 5'2 human named Shay. Uh, <laughs> well, I am talking about a Christmas carol. You folks might be wondering who Carol is. <laughs> I said that just to get Elise's reaction. And uh, I hope I, listeners, I hope I made you throw your head back and shake your head inside. My heart. As deeply as. Elise. My heart shrank three sizes right then. (laughs) So A Christmas Carol was written by Charles Dickens, published in 1843, and is technically titled A Christmas Carol, period, in prose, period, being a ghost story of Christmas, period. (laughs) It follows Ebenezer Scrooge, a cranky old moneylender, as he's visited by his old business partner, Jacob Marley, or if this is a Muppet Christmas Carol, Jacob and... Robert Marley, Bob Marley, and eventually the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. One of the best parts about this tale, I find, is when you watch it directed by different people, they always have a different take on these ghosts. Um, So, Elise, I want to know, what would your ghost of Christmas past and present be? Um, I think my ghost of Christmas past would be Nick Cage. I don't know why. I just felt that in my heart just then. And I feel like he would take me on a journey to learn about my past mistakes. I really do. And my and my Christmas present is, as you probably know, and many of you may, I am about six feet tall. And so I've been very tall most of my entire life. And I'll put up a picture of me as a as a small elf, but I was the tallest elf in my one of my elementary school um, holiday plays and like everybody else was wearing like pants and mine were shorts because I'm a giant <laughs> even as a baby. Um, and it's real buddy the elf. Yeah. yeah. And so I think my the ghost of Christmas present would be me as a ba- as a elementary school elf taking me around to my present just being like, wow, you've got all this. You should really just own it and be happy with what you have. You should buy pants, not shorts. Yeah. You can afford it. <laughs> yeah, you can. 
So, okay. That's good. Thank you. That's good. I like that. I like that. This tale was, it was written in 1843, and that's right around the time that the idea of Christmas was beginning to change, less from a, you know, hoodlums holiday, as it was known as in uh, old New England, into, well, this is in Britain, but all around, known as a hoodlum holiday, uh, to something of the Christian faith, because it wasn't always a Christian holiday that was manufactured. <laughs> I know you're shocked that people of religion just decided to make something up, but we have Christmas. And it was also inspired by poor people, but oh. making money off of poor people it became a tradition in and of itself. Beautiful. So have you ever been to Trinity Rep's Christmas Carol? Uh, no. But I know that uh, one thing I do know is that a guy I used to talk to, um, that means shut up, um, it was when you he was a kid, he was in the Christmas Carol. Yeah, they used to have like real Rhode Island kids, like be a part of the cast and stuff like that when it's a full cast. That's really cool. I know, right? Is this one on, on one of your like Tinder dates uh, that you found out? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, one of them. <laughs> uh, so, Trinity Rep's Christmas Carol is in its 45th annual year. Dang. And they did not miss last year due to COVID. They had it online. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. It was by donation. So they had people watch all over the world. They made a fair. I think that the donation to watch it went to a charity. That makes sense. If I'm not mistaken. Um, So they had people watching from all over the world last year. But this year, they are back. Um, They have a smaller cast. They are are also only doing it for 90 minutes, which for my ADHD is perfect. Also, There's, because that movie is like, no, the movie, everything is like three and a half hours long. Can't, like, an hour and a half, good. There's no intermission. Unfortunately, there's also no alcohol and food. Mm. Um, but 90 minutes. 90 minutes is good. You have to have your masks on all time at all times. Uh, you have to provide your proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. So that would make Trinity Rep probably the safest place in Rhode Island right now. Okay. Licking doorknobs at Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's their uh, in their next season. Yeah, production. come on over. Lick our doorknobs. Everybody touches them. That's why I said that. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Uh, my favorite part about Trinity Rep's Christmas Carol is every year there's always somebody for me to fall in love with. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, two years ago in 2019, it was Frederica. Um, played by Haley Schwartz. Frederica was the gender-bending twist on Fred Scrooge's uh, nephew, in this case, niece. Oh. And she was a lesbian. Loved it. Of course she did. <laughs> Nobody's surprised. This year, 2021, The Ghost of Christmas Past, played by Ava Gaudet. Gaudet. Looks French. Uh, she played, Chris- yeah, Ghost of Christmas Past. Fell in love with her. mm I hope it works out for you guys. I don't think it will. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I already can see Ghost of Christmas Future. Okay. Or yet to come, I guess. Also coming in with this Christmas Carol is sometimes you have celebrity sightings. Ooh. This year, I saw Richard Jenkins. Wait, the actor? As in the dad of Step Brothers, the yeah. dad of Six Feet Under. Great show. Great HBO show. Well, that's cool. Yeah. He used to be the director, I, th- I believe. Um, our manager at Trinity Rep for a number of years. And so he was going to go see his friends who were in that production this year. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so the reason I saw this 
play? Is it a play? Is it a musical? You saw it at a theater, so it's a play. But would you consider it a musical if they're singing and dancing? Sometimes, yeah. I don't think traditionally it's a musical, but go ahead. Okay. So I see this play every year with a friend of mine and her family. And I will give her credit. She was the one that spotted Richard Jenkins. Ooh. Yeah. So we, after... The tradition also includes going across the street to Bravo, although it's no longer Bravo. It is now Res. So we still went there after. I was starving, so I got the Res burger, and it had four nuggets included. I'm not getting paid to say this, but I just want to say those nuggets were very good. And it's like loose on the side or on top? No, it was like you. they stuck a wooden pick sure. Sure, in the burger and topped it with four nuggets. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a stoner's dream. Mm-hmm. Great. Those turned into table nuggets. So my friend was the one that spotted Richard Jenkins. She was on her phone for about 10 minutes trying to prove to us all that this guy was a celebrity. We appreciate her diligence. So I go every year with him, and it's it's a great time. One year, one year, her mom couldn't get tickets to the Trinity Rep Christmas Carol, so we had a nice community theater Christmas Carol experience. <clears throat> At the Granite Theater in Westerly. That's fun. It was, I still say it was the best Christmas Carol one that I've been to in Rhode Island. And I I will go to my grave. I will go to Jacob Marley's grave (laughs) saying that. So this was like true community theater experience, including when you go in before you go upstairs, I guess, to the theater. They put you in a room where you feel like you're about to be part of a murder mystery whodunit. Mm. And everybody's just milling about. And then suddenly they're like, you can go into your seats. That's weird. Yeah. Because it's community theater, the acoustics and the props and all those things aren't Trinity rep level. So they had these shovels that they were dancing with in like the graveyard scene and they were pounding them and it was loud as hell. And they also had real chains on them. That they were dragging around. There was a moment at the end of a song when one of the actresses said, up yours to the audience, (laughs) I guess. Uh, Of course, people forgot their lines, and it's always fun seeing how they take care of that. But what truly made it a real community theater experience was somebody in the audience farted. Oh, my gosh. It was, I, I can't say beautiful. Wrong word to describe it, but... Every community theater experience needs a moment like that. You are an enigma. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I like that you've found your own Rhode Island holiday tradition. Yeah. In a longstanding Rhode Island holiday tradition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Overall, 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Would recommend. Any version of A Christmas Carol. Especially Westerly's Granite Theater. But if you in were if you were not in Rhode Island, didn't have a time machine, what is your favorite a Christmas carol version? Muppets. Oh, okay. Thousand percent. That's beautiful. Thousand percent. Rizzo the rat steals the show. <laughs> Every single time. All right, I'll check it out. Oh my goodness. Speaking of nutmeg flavored beef, uh, now it's time for the annual Rhode Island Christmas versus holiday treat the state house controversy. Bing, 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 this feels bing. very like WWE. I'll tell you who's in the corners. So this is by far one of my favorite Rhode Island Christmas traditions. To me, this is all seven fishes, mostly because of the crux of this has to do with my BFF, Lincoln Chafee, or at the very least, somehow he gets blamed for it. Looking at you, John DiPietro. So Mm -hmm. 
picture this. It's early December 2011. Link, Governor Lincoln Chafee took office early that earlier that year, and he and Lady Chafee, aka Stephanie, are prepping for the annual, Lady Chafee. <laughs> Lady Chafee. Nope. Um, we're not going to disrespect this family. Um, are prepping for the annual event where the state, with a capital S, invites families and folks from across the state to sing a song, enjoy some nog, and turn on the lights adorned on a donated and incredibly large spruce. Or perhaps it was a fur. And then, bam! Like Boom. lightning strikes. <laughs> the invitations hit the digital mailboxes of all of Rhode Island, and hell breaks loose. Shay? Is, this, is this when Facebook events, like, people actually would... That's how they would have their events. They would know the guest list, Facebook events. Perhaps, yes. Okay, so I'm imagining it that way. I can, I can look at. I I think that the governor maybe didn't use at the time Facebook invite to invite people to large scale events like that. I think perhaps it was more of a to do, but mm-hmm. nonetheless. Okay. Jay. Oh, okay, okay. Um. Fair. Yeah, we're gonna get you a chief of protocol job somewhere. Anyway, immediately. The entire state turns on a dime to scream at Lincoln. How could you do this to us? What about the kids? And people are screaming, the horror! The, the horror! The horror! Ah! This is almost as bad as the 2008 snowstorm debacle for Ciccellini. <laughs> and that was an excellent berm for you noobs who were just tuning in and we're not here in 2008. So anyway, Lincoln Chafee and his ride or die Stephanie are de- have f- <laughs> declared a full out war on Christmas. They single handedly decided to take down the Holy Trinity and that reindeer too. How you ask? By calling the spruce a holiday tree. You bet your ass he did. Ooh. Uh, so was Link the first... Was Mr. Chafee, sir, the first governor to do this? You bet your sweetie ass he ain't. Uh, at least this sounds like one of those moments where he got some uh, some receipts. Mm-hmm. Receipts. Yup. And luckily, our good friends at PolitiFact also thought this was juicy enough to cover back in Is that a .com, .gov, .net? And .all of them. No. And so... Back in 2011. And wouldn't you know it, Governor Kachiri. That's how you say that. You never knew how to say Governor Kachiri? No, that was one of those words I would just spell it always. (laughs) And I would hope somebody else would say it. And then once somebody said it, it would go in one ear and out the other. So now I have it on recording. Go ahead, Elise. Thank you. Governor Kachiri, whom you may know from his greatest hits like 38 Studios and vetoing a bill that would have allowed same-sex partners to plan and execute their partner's funeral arrangements, um, to name a few, was governor at the time. He was basically our Grinch. Yet John DePietro, the poor and disconnected man's Rush Limbaugh, chose Link to take the holiday heat. You could hear the molars grinding November 29th, 2011, when WPRO talk host show, talk show host, (laughs) John DePietro complained indignantly that Governor Lincoln Chafee, an independent, had invited everyone to the lighting of a holiday tree at the state house. While talking to guest state rep Joseph Trillo. As in boat guy Joe Trillo? Perhaps. Perchance. A Republican who co-sponsored a House resolution in January urging that such trees always be referred to as Christmas trees, DePietro said the terminology used by Chafee, whom DePietro called Governor Grinch, was a break from tradition. 
in a direct quote, For the past eight years, Governor Kachiri and Mrs. Governor Kachiri would host the lighting of the State House Christmas tree, he said, referring to Chafee's predecessor, Republican Don Kachiri. Nah, man, that ish started with Kachiri. And as if the and if the internet was around with Almond, the governor before Kachiri, I'm sure we would know of every other freaking governor who called it just a fucking tree. <laughs> and just invited folks to a celebration. We have in as early as 2011, this guy, like this guy, the, the receipts are there, guy. It's literally right there. It's literally right. Oh, you got to do a quick Google to search. Just the Google the search. That's all you got to do. You got to look at it and then you'll know that Link didn't do this. Link didn't know. But in the middle of all of this, like, outrage, there was some crazy Republican pack that put together this whole fundraising thing to create these, like, goofy ornaments that were, like, calling it the state Christmas tree in a way to somehow get back at Link and Chafee, who I can assure you gives two shits <laughs> About what this tree is called. Yeah, he's like, I just think it's really pretty, man. <laughs> Looks like a good tree, dude. Looks like a good tree, dude. Love it. And Stephanie's like, man, Link's so good. Link's, look at him. Link, you did a great job, Link. Ah, so good. That's it. Why everybody have beef? It's just a fucking bush. It's a tall, well, not no longer living thing that you put lights on. Yeah, exactly. And so then every year, every single year, Oh, it's a holiday tree. Oh, they're going to call it a holiday tree again? I thought it was the Christmas tree. There's a war on Christmas. There's no fucking There's war no on war on Christmas. There's also, no war on Christmas. I don't even know what Santa celebrates. How do we know? He could be Protestant. His, is Christmas his birthday? <laughs> yeah. Is that why we're... <laughs> like, there's all kinds of moving, moving, moving and groovings over moving, here. Movers and shakers and the... But nonetheless... Aye, aye, aye. My favorite thing about Rhode Island in the holiday season is that we're a little less short with each other mm-hmm. and there's always really dry Italian cookies everywhere. Everywhere. So. Everywhere. Shay, I hope you have an incredible Christmas. At least I hope you have an even better Christmas. I'm that nice. Oh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Christmas cookie in Rhode Island? Have you discovered anything since you've lived here? Uh, Minor butterballs. Uh, butter, from? Uh, it was from Shallows. I haven't tried the new people. It was the same sisters from the same brothers and whole nine yards. It was the same oven for 120 years. I love that Shallows. I have not tried the new Shallows. I don't know what's going on over there. I'm going to give them a try. Cool. Yeah. Nice. I will say, though, that uh, red wine biscuits, mm-hmm. is is that Christmas? I think that's all year round, but you could call it Christmas. Okay. I When I was working for the city, there was a woman that worked in the phone operator's room next door to us. I will leave her nameless, but she came in and she told me that she was going or she was taking a day off to make red wine biscuits with her boyfriend's mom. Mm, I know exactly who it is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. So I, I when I think of Rhode Island, uh, cookie biscuits, maybe Christmas. I okay. don't know. I, I think of that. One of my old coworkers, and I'll just, this is where we'll leave you, Rhode Island, is that I had a holiday party at my, one of my old jobs, and I, you know, thought that I knew all of the cultural foods that could ever exist because I am driven primarily by food and then curiosity. 
So I was like, oh, teach me about your people. Food and curiosity. Yep. Cuisine and curiosity. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh-huh. And this woman taught me that her Portuguese family makes chorizo bread. Yeah. They made, Charisse? so it's like, yeah, so chorizo, like Portuguese oh. sausage. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. My sister's best friend's name is Charisse. <laughs> yes. I, she's, I don't think she's named after chorizo, so. Sorry, oh go ahead. Oh my God, my head just exploded. She, anyway. So imagine like olive loaf, but instead of olives, it's fucking Charisse. It's so good. Is it? It's so good. It's bread, it's, it's already a sandwich. In like a roll. It's amazing. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. She gave me the the recipe. Her mother of blessed memory had passed it on to her and she gave it to me begrudgingly. And I did ask her for it every day for about three weeks. But (laughs) I finally (laughs) got it. You're nothing if not consistent. Yep. And I got it. And it's mine now. And And I haven't made it yet, but I'm very, very excited to try. Cherise loaf. Yep. Meat and bread. I'm in it. It's like a sandwich, but you cut out the middleman. You just put it right there. Yeah, and it's delicious. So there you have it, Rody. A uh, Christmas episode. A little bite-sized. A little Rody-sized, if you will. Buono no tally. What? I think that's how you say Merry Christmas in Italian. <laughs> Oh, you got that from you got that from Fredra Hill. You saw on the signs. I don't think that's how you say it, but I can't tell you how yeah, that's. People just yell it at me when I leave the house. <laughs> when I just walking out of the restaurant, they just yell something, and I Bun thought that's what it was. Yep. So, please please let us know if we missed any of your favorite Christmas traditions by trolling us on social at at Anchor the Show. Also, feel free to send me your favorite recipes. Oh yeah, we would love it. Any more little um, recipe swap? Meat bread. Yeah. Well, don't call it meat bread. Meat bread. It's Charisse bread. Anyway, as always, meat bread. Ugh, well, st- stay salty with meat bread. Anchored is produced by Trailblaze Media, along with myself, Elise Swearingen, and Shay Weintraub. From Trailblaze Media, Ezra Winters is our executive producer.